Hi, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. On today's episode, I'm your host, Brady Brewer, and I'm an associate professor here in the Department of Agricultural Economics. And joining me today is Maria Marshall, professor and the Jim and Lois Ackerman Endowed Chair in Agricultural Economics. Also joining me today is Renee Wyatt, a family business management specialist uh, here in the Department of Agricultural Economics and the Purdue Institute for Family Business, and Denise Schroeder, who's an area director and extension educator in White County. So I welcome all three of you. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing uh, why exiting the business or the the farm business before the tombstone is important and some tips on how to accomplish this transition. And before we get into this information, I just want to take a, a second to highlight that this is a part of a broader series on succession planning. Uh, so for more information on succession planning, we advise all listeners to go to the Purdue Institute for Family Business website, which is uh, can be found at purdue.ag backslash famBiz. Uh, you can also find the Purdue Institute for Family Business on Twitter, and their Twitter handle is at purduefamBiz. You can also go to the Purdue uh, Center for Commercial Agriculture's website, as there's also material on succession planning at that website as well. Uh, so with that, let's jump into our topic today of exiting the business before the, the tombstone. So Maria, I'm going to pitch this first question to you. Um, why don't we want to exit the business at the tombstone? Well, first, you might not have a business to pass on if you wait until the tombstone. That's the, the kind of the most harsh implication is that um, for a business to go on, it has to have managers and owners and um, people who know what's going on. And when you wait too long to pass some of those things along, um, then you're not really passing on the business entity in and of itself. You might be passing on assets. And I think those are the big distinctions that we're always trying to make is, are you trying to just pass on assets or are you trying to pass on a business entity, which are two different things. Um, some implications of that is that, you know, if you're just not even looking at just farm businesses, but small businesses in rural areas, you know, Main Street has a lot of baby boomers that have like retired because of COVID and all these different things with no successor. And so if you think about exiting at the, you know, even before the tombstone or at the tombstone, a lot of those businesses would be shuttered if there's no successor or nobody to take over. So those are the reasons why we're like, well, it has to be before the tombstone so that uh, you actually know that this business is going to be fruitful and move forward. Yeah, and I also expect there's probably issues that arise in this transition period. And you know, exiting before the tombstone means that you can help solve some of those issues. Whereas if you exit after, uh, it's a little hard to uh, solve those issues. Uh, issues after the tombstone. Right. And, you know, and some people say, well, you know, when at, when at the tombstone, when I'm dead, it's not my problem anymore and they can fix their communication problems themselves or know that, or, or maybe they won't. Um, and I think in some business families, uh, particularly farm families, um, the incumbent generation might feel that they need to stay in order for that next generation to be able to communicate and that they're the ones holding the glue together. And so then um, you have to think about, well, if you're not there, is that business entity really gonna survive if they need you there? 
to make to be as a glue to bring them together. So um, those are the you know the issues are usually around communication, not so much about these legal entities, which is what people want to talk about most. Yeah, and and that is the transferring of assets. So uh, Denise, I, I want to turn this next question to you. So Maria mentioned you know this transfer of of more than just assets, right? There's a lot more to the succession plan that you need to think about. Uh, in, ter- in terms of transferring. So what all does need trans or what all should we be thinking about that needs transfer to the next generation? Okay, when we're thinking about um, the business continuing, we need to think about all kinds of things that need to be transferred. Who's going to handle the finances? Um, who's going to handle um, the marketing, especially if it's like a farm, um, if it's a farm, who does the grain marketing? Is it all the senior generation that's doing all these things? Or are we slowly turning things over? Who's going to manage personnel if there are more than just a couple of people involved in the operation? And who's going to handle the production? Okay, one of the things that I always say when we start transferring stuff is just because it's not being done exactly the way that you did it doesn't mean it's wrong. Okay. Everybody has their own idea about how things should go and how um, we want to manage um, the people, the places, the things and everything. And the, you know, the example I always give when we talk about this is um, really totally unrelated to farming. But I always say when my kids were young, I always ask them to fold the towels. Okay. They didn't fold them the way I wanted them folded, but guess what? They weren't in the basket when I got home from work and they were in the cabinet. So if the job's getting done, we're still having good production and everything, then, um, you know, we're probably on the right path and we have to let go and um, help with this transition instead of stand in the way of it. Yeah, Ed, so Denise, I think what I hear you say is that it's okay to, to let them figure it out their own way, and maybe that leads to a teachable moment, so they, they do it the way you want to uh, later on. Very much so, and also not only the teachable moment, but maybe maybe they've got some different ideas about how things go. Maybe, maybe um, some of the ideas that they have maybe are actually better than the way that you've been doing it for the past 25 or 30 years. Yeah. So one thing that, uh, you know, beyond passing the checkbook and the assets, there's a lot of institutional knowledge that I hear you guys uh, alluding to that, you know, maybe farmers are selling themselves short on is that, you know, there's a lot of uh, value in how we do things and maybe why we do things that needs passed on before before the tombstone. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, some of the things that I think of as far as like relationships, what about landlord relationships? You know, sometimes landlord, some landlords likes to be handled one way, other landlords, they just want their check and they're just very much a silent land or, uh, you know, very much a silent land owner. And all they're in it for really is the um, cash rent check. Others want to be more involved. Well, that stuff needs to be passed on to the next generation because handling some um, landowners, um, sometimes you got to use some kid gloves and you need to know how they want to be handled, you know, so it's that personal relationship. Yeah, just like a salesperson hones their sales skills, uh, you know, those communication skills with external party members is is important as well. So uh, Denise has talked a lot about, uh, you know, bringing in the next generation is more than just passing on the checkbook and, and the assets. There's finance, marketing, personnel, and production. Uh, but Renee, I want to ask you this next question. You know, uh, 
that means that we have to choose a business partner to pass this on to. And sometimes there may be multiple people to pick. Sometimes it may be a group of people. Um, so this brings up the question to me, what makes a good business partner and, and how should we go about the decision of, of choosing who will be the next manager? Yeah, so there's a lot of things to consider when you think who's going to take over the business. I mean, I think first in my mind, we're talking about farm businesses here. You know, a lot of those farm businesses have a lot of family involved. Um, USDA found that 98% of farms are family businesses. So we're dealing with family relationships. We're dealing with personal relationships. Um, we want to make sure that those bonds are still tight in the next generation. But we also want to look at our family realistically and say who is willing and who is able to join the business. So we want to kind of balance the ability and the willingness of those potential next generation, those next partners. Um, if you have somebody who's interested and able, that's your premier pick, right? You want, you want that person in the business. They're going to have that fire. They're going to have that drive. They're going to want to grow the business, continue the business, pass it on to their next generation. Um, if someone's able but not interested, those people are a little bit, um, those are easier to train. You would rather have the interest and the ability. You can make up that gap if somebody isn't as able to do it. They can be trained, right? That's what we you should do, ideally, in farm businesses. We should train that next generation. But if they're not interested, um, sometimes those people need to find maybe off-farm jobs, find a different job, find a different niche within the business even. They could maybe expand the farm in a different way. But we really need to look at our family realistically and say who is a good fit and realize that not every single person in the family has to join the business or should join the business. So Renee, my, you know, there's a lot of financial implications to this. Um, and this sounds like it takes a long process to, to do. Uh, I'm going to guess that the answer to my next question is not the day before the tombstone, but you know, logic I want to know is how, how soon should uh, businesses start to think about this transition? Is this something, is this five years, 10 years out? Is this as soon as possible? What, what's a good timeline for, for starting to think about this transition process? We always say plan early, plan often. So the earlier, the better. I mean, at least having the discussion on an annual basis is great just to see who might be interested and things like that. But when you're looking at the actual transition, um, you're probably looking at about six years on average to transition to family. So this process takes a long, long time. That's from the beginning of the transfer until you're finished transferring that business. And so five to 10 years um, is great. That's a good time frame to have, um, but always earlier and often when, you're com when it comes to planning. Yeah, and that six years on average, I assume, uh, you know, there's farms that fall on either end of that distribution, right? So some take maybe longer than 10 years to transition. That's that's a long time to think about, you know, over a decade to, to execute this transition. Yeah. And when you think about the successor, you know, if, if they're in this business and they've taken on a lot of these roles um, and they're kind of in that limbo period where they don't really know where they fit, they don't know if they're taking over, or if they're, you know, an employee, if they're a manager, if they're going to own some of the business, they can start to build resentment when those decisions aren't made. And so, timeliness is really a factor when it comes to succession and passing that business on. Um, they, they need to be integrated in those discussions. They need to know what's happening. They need to know the plan and that should be communicated to everyone in the farm business um, so that everyone's on the same page and they know what to expect. 
And when you have that timeline where you want to transfer the business, it also gives that senior generation a chance to pass on the knowledge, um, you know, the, the drive to be in that business to the next generation and to train them up and pass on those skills that are essential to the successor generation to be successful. And that's active succession process, right? That's when you're actually really starting. So I would say if you're really thinking about succession, it should be from when your kids are little, not that you're trying to adopt, indoctrinate them, but right, you're passing on a lot of knowledge already, which is implicit sometimes, not explicit in kind of the implicitness of like, I'm going to go back to the farm. You have the interest. You're, you're kind of cultivating competent owners, if not managers of that business from, from, you know, from a young age, particularly in farm businesses where everybody is involved at an early age. And then that six and a half to 10 years is this kind of more active and explicit succession process. So this plan, uh, plan early, I've always like plan very early <laughs> when you think about that um, way, way before the tombstone, right? Cause it's about exiting the business gracefully in a way that you really are, have a successful um, business all around and cohesive family. So it's more than just this kind of active planning in the succession process. Now, Maria, I want to follow up to that. Uh, Renee talked about, you know, hopefully you have someone that is interested and capable of taking over. What if you have multiple people? How do you choose a successor or successors, I should say, if you have multiple people in the family that want to be this manager? So, you know, let's say hopefully you've executed this process as early as possible and you have either several um, children or relatives or other external party members that, that are potential candidates. Um, but how do you go about choosing the right mix uh, with multiple people in play? Well, research says that if you have more than one kid uh, that's interested, but you can only fit one, you delay it as long as possible. <laughs> so, uh, but we don't want to do that. Um, I think it, what you have to do is figure out how, who has to be an owner, who has to be a manager, who are going to be both, right? Because those are two different things. So you might have two, let's say two children, both of which are owners and part of that succession process, but only maybe one of them is an active manager. So really thinking about what roles will each play and that owners don't necessarily have to be day-to-day -day managers um, or sometimes vice versa. Um, and so that's, that's one way to, to think about who is going to be um, your successor and who's really wants to be part of that business in an active way and not just owning. So a lot of times we get this thing that it's okay. If it's a manager, it has to be an owner. If it's an owner, it has to be a manager. And that might not necessarily be true. So I, I want to ask now a follow-up question on, you know, so we've, we're calling this exiting the business before the tombstone. I think the goal here is uh, to exit long before so you can have retirement or, you know, uh, Maria, I think you said exfully, exiting gracefully, and I really like that terminology there. What about retirement planning? How does this impact that process? Uh, you know, we talk about the financial goals of the of the successor taking over, but how does financial goals of of the 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 current owner factor into this? So um, the generations really need to work together to make sure that we're um, working towards both generations goals or the or multiple generations goals so that um, if the senior division wants to retire, 
and gracefully exit the business that they're capable without um, the younger generation feeling like, oh man, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford to keep this in business. So there needs to be a lot of conversation and a lot of planning um, ahead of time, not just, oh, hey, by the way, I'm turning 65 next week. It's your baby now. And I think what we've seen is that um, farmers that have done financial planning for retirement are more able to exit gracefully um, and turn over more ownership um, to the next generation than farmers that don't have those assets that for uh, in terms of financial planning and require kind of um, land leases or, or other require kind of an active farming portfolio to be able to retire, let's say, just maybe not doing the labor work, but still need to keep hanging on to more of that ownership. So it really does have serious financial implications for how that succession process is going to is going to work. So we've brought in a lot of different aspects here. Uh, you know, Denise mentioned finance goals, um, or, you know, the transferring of finances, marketing duties, personnel duties, production duties, not to mention all the assets. This sounds like a pretty complicated process. Uh, do we have a tool that can help families plan for all of uh, these issues? So we have a great tool. Um, it's called the Roadmap. It lets farm businesses and any, any family business map out in what year they want to transfer what parts of the business. So whether it's functional responsibility, whether it's marketing responsibility, um, ownership, board governance, all of these things, you can really map it out per year who, what generation is doing what in the business. And if you can think about it, really the successor moves from successor, you know, moves from employee and they move all the way over to where they're the owner, they're the CEO of that business. And um, this makes this makes the incumbent generation feel a lot better a lot of times, I think, when they see this. So they move from that manager CEO, but maybe they move to a consultant role. So maybe they're still in the business consulting and helping um, that successor generation be successful, but maybe they don't have to be in the tractor or on the farm every day. Maybe they're just called in to help give advice and help guide that business further. But we have a roadmap um, that is downloadable in our succession guidebook. Um, it's a great tool to use. It's free. Um, it's very straightforward and everybody in the family can kind of map out what they think the succession process would look like. It's great to have everybody kind of fill that out on their own and then bring them together and discuss where everybody would like to be in what year. I think it's very eye-opening to both generations sometimes when we do that and compare those roadmaps. And I'm going to assume, Renee, that you know some of these steps, they don't all, all have to happen in one year, right? They could be you transfer, transfer personnel duties or production duties, but the older generation is still doing finance, the finances of the farm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly correct. And we, we have um, a version of the roadmap where you can fill in different responsibilities that you would like to fill in. So maybe landlord relationships, Denise brought that up. We've had other farmers bring that up and how imperative those relationships are to farm businesses. Um, maybe you want to start transitioning those or bringing in the other generation right now, start those relationships early. You know, you can put that in as something to keep in mind and to be working towards. So there's all kinds of different um, responsibilities that you can put in that and really make this roadmap reflect your business. 
Yes, and I, I do want to clarify the guidebook that uh, Renee just referenced is titled The Farm's Legacy, a guidebook for intra-family succession, uh, and it can be downloaded at the Purdue University uh, Education Store, or it can. It, we will also link to it on the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture's website as well, and it is for free download. Um, it does come with a number. All of Purdue Extension documents um, are numbered, and its number, if you can't find it by searching by the name, is EC-817-W. And again, it is called The Farm's Legacy, a guidebook for intra-family succession. Um, I also want to point out that all these topics that we've talked today, you know, this podcast episode is a series on farm succession planning. So some of the, you know, we didn't get into conflict management and how exiting before the tombstone can impact conflict management or the financial goals or the estate planning goals, or specifically, you know, the, the transferring of assets that Marie talked, that Maria talked about. Um, all those topics can be found uh, if you search for the succession planning on the uh, commercial AgCast uh, podcast app that you are using. So for more information, uh, please visit the Purdue Center for Commercial Ag's website at purdue.edu slash commercial ag or the Purdue Institute for Family Businesses website at purdue.ag slash famBiz. Um, on behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture and the Purdue Institute for Family Business, I thank you for listening to this week's episode. Mm -hmm.